yeah I, I, I had a hell of a morning I, I broke my toilet this morning as well the oh, ha- handle no. just snapped so I've, I've yeah <laughs> the morning oh, has no. been a right <laughs> some days are just like that aren't they murky I don't know where you are but I'm southeast London so right. yeah and it's pretty, yeah it's not a great day I was gonna say I'm, I'm in Lincolnshire and at the minute we have very thick fog yeah that's what so, we've had actually yeah. but you know in London it's hard to know if it's pollution or fog or yeah it's one, both. Of, one of the other things <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well with all that said I'll welcome you to the podcast Lucy thank you very much Graham it's very nice to have you here, and, you know, despite our troubles. Of the, of the yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, sure. you, you know, you're well, otherwise, apart from... Yeah, I do have a bit of a dodgy voice, I'm afraid, because I got COVID over Christmas, and I haven't really fully got my voice back. Right. I missed all my Christmas parties like everyone else, and then we had, on Thursday night, I had to catch up with some people, like, I've got some comics pals that we do right. kind of dinners with and stuff. And we were very enthusiastic about meeting up, and I'm still getting over that. <laughs> a very wonderful night, and I think I'm probably on day two of the hangovers, but it shows you how, how enthusiastic we were. I think that's, that's been common, though. I think I spoke to a few friends mm. who, towards Christmas, they were so worried about going into lockdown, they were partying harder pre-lockdown. <laughs> Yeah. See, I did the opposite. Like my daughter got COVID, so I had to. I just isolated with her, and then after a week, inevitably, I got it. You know, so it was just everything was cancelled, and I got the all clear on Christmas Eve morning. You know, I had to call my mum, and she's like, "I'm in the car, I'm coming." (laughs) Like, okay, mum. And it was, you know, everyone had such an intense time, right? It was just rubbish, and anyone with kids got COVID. Yeah. just just flew through the schools so you know but luckily you know we're all fine from it but I'm yeah I still feel like I've been smoking 40 fags a day for like the whole of December so hopefully that will pass yes we, we hope, we'll hope that, hope that we'll move on yeah <laughs> I should I'm, say cigarettes I still say the wrong word cigarettes a day cigarettes. <laughs> of course <laughs> it's hard to get out of that one <laughs> yeah well I gave up smoking well, 15 years ago, okay. so I probably still have, yeah, quite old vernacular about do you, it. Do you do that thing, which I still do, where I, I give up smoking, but every time I drink, my brain goes, oh, it's time to yeah. smoke. Yes, yeah, and uh, nothing worse than me walking past someone, because I've smoked roll-ups. If I walk past someone with a roll-up, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to stand next to you <laughs> and breathe in for a bit. <laughs> I have a horribly addictive personality, so it's like right. all or nothing, you know. So I just, I just like, d- breathe a bit deeper next to yes. that person, and then just try and move on. But yeah, and then resist think, when they offer you one. Inevitably, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always yeah the, the bad bit. <laughs> That's how I limit it. Is I, I go out with my friends who do smoke, and I don't buy cigarettes. I wait for them to offer me one. I'll have, <laughs> I'll have that cigarette, and I don't. You're have that person. And then I'll have a cigarette. And then if they don't offer me another one, that's fine. Oh, you sound like my sister. She used to do that to me. I don't smoke, but I smoke all of Lucy's roll-ups yeah. when I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I know if I buy a pack, I'm going to smoke 20 in a night. Because yeah. Because they don't let you buy 10s anymore. Um, oh, really? Yeah. You, I didn't you, know that. They See, that's how long ago I gave up. Yeah. Wow. So you, you can only get packs of 20. So if you buy 20, you're going to have 20. Or you're going to have some left over the next morning. 
Yeah, and, and then, then you can like, start again. Finish this yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I bought it now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like exactly. six pound a pack. That's you know, full waste. Is it? Wow, yeah. I'm glad I gave up when I did. I can afford to smoke now. <laughs> I was one of the main reasons I stopped. It's just, it's just yeah, blimey, that is expensive. That's a bottle of Chianti. It I'd is. much rather have that. <laughs> It lasts slightly about the same like time frame. Probably you know, about the same better. in this house, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm terrible at introducing guests, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Let's see who are you and what you? Oh, um, I'm Lucy Sullivan. I write and draw comics. I guess that's probably the only way to describe myself. I teach some a bit as well. I teach okay. um, on illustration at sort of higher education level. Um, yeah, that's probably me. And I don't smoke anymore. (laughs) As we've established, definitely don't smoke. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, So I I discovered you, uh, I think, through Hackney Zine Fest. Yes. We were both doing it, weren't we? Yeah, that was the first time I'd kind of even really been involved with it at all. Uh, I got to do the first one um, in Hackney, and it was just the loveliest day. So hopefully, you know, if there's a point where they get back to being in person, you must must come because it's definitely one of the friendliest and really busy you know yeah. there was a lot of people it was in a brewery so that helped I mean yeah, that you know and Joe's really great Joe Stone who runs it is really great at finding connections and you know he's a clever boy definitely to do it. I mean it's, I mean obviously you're heavily comic book based are you, yes are you, have you attended kind of zine fairs and stuff like that as well or is it more comic-con no so. no i prefer zine fairs actually yeah. like the smaller the better i do cons i do the lakes uh up in kendall every year and i've done thought bubble for the last three years although one was obviously online yeah. um but i love zine fairs and i really miss we, did, we had this amazing one in london run um by stan and henry miller called catford comic art fair okay. and it's in a pub in Catford, which is quite a, still quite a moody part of London, and I love it for that. And it's like this old Irish pub, and we just fill up the room above the pub and an outside marquee. Mm-hmm. And we are literally like, like last time, who was I was next to Alicia and someone else, and we were like shoulder to shoulder like this, you know, and you literally okay. get half, half a pub table to put your stuff on, and it's just joyous. Yeah. And Stan and Henry, they're like, uh, uh, son and dad and they do comics and zines and stuff as well under Millertown. they make soup or stew or something and so like halfway through they hand everyone soup and stew and like if you're in the marquee where it's basically like last time it's chucking down with rain and it's yeah. december so it's the end of the year so it's like the comics like small press christmas party essentially <laughs> if you're in the marquee you're freezing and that stew is like totally you know a godsend if you're in the room upstairs, which is where I always end up, the, the, the condensation on the windows alone is just, you know, it's like the air is damp with it. Mist. It's just a hot stew. It's like I'd really like a gazpacho or something. Yeah. Like, I don't want something cold. But it is just wonderful. And then, you know, everyone finishes at five and we all head down to the bar yeah. with all the old Irish boys and, you know, much drinking of Guinness and beer is done and hanging out and chatting. And it's just wonderful. And I miss Catford so much. It was the one that I was like, you know, there's the small press ones where I think there's no airs and graces. Although to be fair to the lakes and Thought Bubble, I don't 
it doesn't feel like that particularly there either but there's mm. definitely like get put into sections of are you small press are you zooms yeah. are you this you know are you a pro whereas you know catford you could have people of all different aspects of it but they're still feeling like they're small press even when you're like you're quite a big deal but yeah. you're happy to like set up a table and so Had no a couple it was, times. it's great yeah, I think I've had that a couple of times of kind of rocking up to zine fairs and kind of looking around and thinking, I know some of these people. Yeah. Why do I know them? And I kind of like look up on Instagram and I'm like, oh, oh, look, they're huge. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think if you can't, because I started with the zine fairs really yeah. and going to things like uh, Ladies Do Comics, which is kind of like a, a meetup. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there was a South London zine fair that I helped out on, which is back next year, um, or this year. It's this year now. It's back this year, um, and I think I got so used to that vibe of it. Yeah. And then the lakes is quite small, um, even though there's quite you know like last this year just gone. I was so confused with the years. Twenty twenty one. I'll just yeah. use the number. They had like Dave McKean there, and yeah, yeah. you know people like that. I mean, I'm a total fan of Dave McKean, so it was a bit like, oh my god, I can't believe he's here. Um, but you could just go up and go, hello, yeah. <laughs> you're Dave McKean you know and yeah it's I think that beauty of comics though even on the bigger scale is that they are a leveler you know at the end of the day I think people you can only really do it because you love it because even the people at the top they're not making no. oodles of cash you know <laughs> like they're yeah. still especially the artists they're still working really hard to incredibly short deadlines and they just want to have a chat and a beer as well so you know I think they're wonderful things Definitely, yeah. I, I definitely think when when you've made a comic, you you kind of there is a level of doesn't matter how big you get. Someone looks at me like, yeah, that was that was work, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, even a zine, you know, they are they take a lot of effort and a lot of you putting yourself into it, and yeah, and you and you want to see it burst and in the world and have someone pick it up. And I mean, there's always that inevitable horrible thing where people are like. I have this with my graphic novel where people pick it up and flick through it yeah. and then put it down and sort of smile and walk off. And it's like 10 years of my life went into that book. Yeah. It's about a personal breakdown and you're just there like, yeah, you feel free to stop on that page. That was the bad bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drink that in and then walk off. Off you go. Right. And they flick through, they flick to that one illustration, which in your head you're like, oh. it's not quite how I wanted it to be. And that's the oh, one they're looking at. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> well, in that book, for some reason, it unfolds at the spread that I hate the most God. because it is like represents yeah. one of the worst things that happened to me. And it just unfolds at it. And you're just there and the people are looking at you like, is this what it? Oh, and you're like, mm. <laughs> Please, yes, it's quite a heavy book, <laughs> just to be fair, <laughs> you know. But yeah, um, it's all part of it, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Dave McKean there, um, because when I saw your work, the first thing I thought was like, this is very Dave McKean. Oh, blimey, thank you. <laughs> I adore Dave McKean. Uh, he's one of the earlier comics I got was Signal to Noise which he drew with Neil Gaiman mm. and I just poured over it you know and I don't think I could ever achieve his kind of beauty of line I've got Raptor at the moment I haven't started reading it and I'm almost putting it off because I know that I'm going to be like yeah. mortally terrified of how brilliant he is and I want to be like that <laughs> he's so good but yeah. um, I appreciate that it's a huge compliment um, I don't see it myself, but I'm definitely influenced. So, you know, 
that's fair. I, th- I think it's, it's one of those things where I kind of lump it into kind of stylistically kind of the same as like Francis Bacon's paintings and, and mm. that kind of like just expressive yes. over style. Um, because yeah. like first day of McKean I read was Arkham Asylum. Um, yes, yeah. and I picked that up, and I was like, "Oh, comics can be Different. more. They can, yeah. be yeah, everything." And that, yeah. that kind of sparked me. And yeah, so when I see your your work and kind of looking through, I'm like, "You've taken expression and just plastered it into pages." Oh, and, thank you. And that's great. And that's why oh, I, like I appreciate to chat it. To I'm having a terrible January getting back into it. So thanks. <laughs> At the moment, I'm just taking. I can't draw. And channeling it, in, you know those. Yeah. When you're out of touch, because I haven't drawn for because of COVID and in holidays, I've drawn for like five weeks, and it's just like every mark you're like, oh, wading through mud. You have to do those um, kind of what I call reminding yourself you can draw. Is like mm. everyone has one thing they know how to draw, mm. and you just go to yourself. Everything I'm doing is terrible. So I'm going to draw this one thing yeah. to remind myself I know how to draw. Yeah, I do. I do self portraits. Like, as, oh. yeah, I know it's very odd, but I so I taught life drawing for a long time. So drawing from observation is my mm. go to because that's something I'm comfortable with, and I use black carbon typewriter sheet papers. So you're doing it blind. Yeah. So there's absolutely no expectation about what the result is because you can't see what you're drawing. Yeah. So I find that really soothing. And, you know, if I could have a life model on hand, <laughs> I would, I would. Yeah. but I don't. So I have a mirror in my studio, and I do, which I'm in now, and it's sort of there. Nice. And I just sit and do blind portraits, or I draw my hands yeah. over and over again. And that sort of goes, no, no, I can still draw. It's fine. And now I've just got to go draw that comic, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of reminding myself, like, all right, now I've got to go back to the hard bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Hard. Um, for people listening i mean we should probably mention what your work is because we've we've glanced at just saying your book multiple times Uh, (laughs) yeah all right so i did um my debut graphic novel came out in 2020 i launched two weeks into the first lockdown so that timing was superb yeah and it's called barking um it's about it's a allegory based on uh experience i had when i had a breakdown after my dad died but I combined it with experiences of some of my friends who were institutionalized when they had breakdowns. And then I've added mythology into it. And it's a bit of a kind of horror story and a ghost story. There's all sorts going on. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's my, probably what people most know me for. I make zines as well. So barking has a set of mental health zines that go with it. My next one, shelter that I'm going to get working on. Um, is going to be a folk horror set in 1969 London and that's got a set of zines because it's sort of kind of about being a woman it's Mm. kind of about expectations it's a lot about mythology and folk horror as well it's all set in the London Irish community because my dad's from that and I love kind of Irish mythology Um, but before I can do shelter I'm writing and drawing a black hammer short for Jeff Lemire for his um substack and I think that's going to go out as a new sort of set of um like black hammer visions kind of thing yeah. with dark horse at some point as well so I'm a bit stressed about that <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite no, no deal. <laughs> you know? and Jeff's like just the nicest human yeah. uh, he basically got money from substack and wanted to 
use some of it to support creators he likes. Yeah. So it's me, Lila Sturgis, uh, David Robinson, a couple of, yeah, Tate Brumble and stuff. So there's a couple of people that he's gone, right, please have some of this money and make mm. me a comic. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'd love to. But I'm equally like, oh, Jesus, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, a big deal. I like that you, 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 you did the thing which I do, which is where you kind of go, okay, I'm doing this thing, but I've got to do this other thing first. And I've got to do this other thing first. Oh, <laughs> honestly, 2021 was going to be the year I made Shelter. And I'd written right. it a while back and I fully finished the script. I thumbnailed it. I was good to go. And I'd done all these jobs. Like, sort of 2020, when the book came out, I spent a year pretty much drawing other people's comics and it was great because I wanted to work with writers and get my head around scripts I wanted to just you know sort of explore that a bit and widen kind of what I was working on and it was really great to do and then I had two that I'd sort of promised one was a charity thing and another one was uh, called Yoshin which is coming out so it's to raise money for um, victims of the Japanese the earthquakes in Japan in 2011 and then the other one was with Jordan Thomas. And um, I turned Jordan down about two or three times because I was just too busy yeah. and I got a kid and I just couldn't do it. And it was like, no, I promise I will do, I will draw you something, I promise yeah. you. And he'd written this with me in mind. So that was like, okay, I'm going to do Yoshin, I'm going to do Jordan's story. And then that's it. It's just my stuff. And I had literally finished Yoshin. And I was doing, I do mentoring as well. I was doing a mentoring session and I got an email come through from Jeff and I'd done some stuff for him in the past. I'd done a couple of pinups from um, uh, Black Hammer and mm-hmm. he did kindly did the cover quote for Barking. So we've had very little engagement, but we've had but some, some yeah. engagement, but he has the private email address and it was like from his private email address. So I'm like, okay, that's uh, interesting. And it's just like, Lucy, can you talk now on Zoom like now? Right. And I had to say to <laughs> Emma, my mentee, uh, do you know, did you ever watch Sweet Tooth on Netflix? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I love that. And I was like, okay, so the creator, <laughs> Jeff Lemitz, just <laughs> emailed me and I've got to like Zoom now. And uh, can I get, can we, you know, reschedule? Yeah. I talked to you in like half an hour or whatever. So we had these mad, like, there's amazing, like, chatting to Jeff on Zoom and he's clearly checking out my studio. He's like, is this your studio? <laughs> and you're like, oh God, have I tidied up? it was a really amazing he's just such a cool guy and just really yeah like I think like the same thing with the leveler he works really hard at his comics and Mm -hmm. he just sees himself as the same as all of us you know I think he thinks of himself as still that person right putting together hand stapled zines at work you know so yeah it was wild and um, I'm still yeah I'm really happy with it he allowed me to write it as well which was like because he sort of said, what do you reckon? Do you think yeah. you can write it? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of, I had to pitch him the idea. And yeah. then I don't know how much he's like looked at the script or anything. He's got it all. I just upload stuff to Dropbox and he seems yeah. very happy with it all. So we just have to see how it goes. I have no idea what Black Hammer fans are going to make of it. I love Black Hammer, but, you know, you can only tell. I've done my story <laughs> you know and he said write it for you draw yeah. it for you don't yeah. don't sweat the rest you know so that's yeah interesting yeah definitely i think stressful very stressful i think it's interesting they mentioned kind of like writing for other people but i think when when people 
do start doing things with other people or collaborating, they tend mm. to bend to what they think their audience will want at that point. Yeah. Rather than just going in and like, no, this is what I want to talk about. So yeah. we should talk about that. And I, I, luckily, my idea is very much my kind of thing. And um, he was totally up for that. He loves barking. So I thought, well, you know, I made barking with the, it's just, I'm going to make the book I want to make. It's such a like um, difficult topic and it's not going to be for everyone. So I'm just going to make what I want to make. And then people have really responded to it. So you go, well, okay it's pretty great to have my precedent speed that I just went and went, here's the comics rule book. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out. That the <laughs> you know, because I love, I love comics and I've read them forever. And yeah. I really appreciate people who have that art of doing like, like nine panel grids and stuff like that. Like there's um, a number of artists. I like, like Anand who draws for Ram V and they did, he did like blue and green and mm-hmm. the new one, Apocalypse radio, uh, such a talent. And you know, beautiful, tight, but loose drawings. Very Dave McKean. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. You know, I'm a messy, messy artist, and I do like single. I design them by spread by comics, so it's not even like I'm working from a grid. It's just yeah. like, what's happening on that spread? How can I mess with this? How can I you know, go, ignore the bleeds? Go across the center? <laughs> you know, all the things that the printer hates me for. You yeah. know, so yes. Personal apology things. to Rich from Comic Printing for having to print my stuff. <laughs> Say all those things which get, gets told off by graphic designers and everyone else who looks at you. Yeah, like, oh. yeah, God. I, I can only recommend one thing in comics and that's have a really good relationship with your printer, who yeah. I do, luckily, because I do do things that I'm sure annoy the absolute crap out of him. But my files are good and my bleeds are good, so yeah. he has to, you know, just accept it. <laughs> You have to you have to break the rules every, every once in a while. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, for me, I, I was in animation um, right, okay. before this. I was like a two D animator, so I studied illustration and animation on BA at Kingston, and um, I went into animation. But it's still very geared towards things looking cute. You know, yeah. there's still even when there's more adult content, there's still a kind of cuteness to it, mm. and I can't. I can't draw cute to save my life. Uh, like, just even if I try, it looks yeah. like it's trying to kill you. You know, it's one of those. I don't know what it is. I just don't. A weird threatening aura. <laughs> yeah, what was happening. Yeah, I always describe it as as an artist Nara who used to paint these little cute girls, and they were literally hiding knives behind their backs, or mm-hmm. you know, doing and that's, that's what my stuff looks like. And it's like with no intention. You know, my daughter would be like, "Mummy, draw me a unicorn." And I'm like. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> unicorn that could eat your face <laughs> you know? still a unicorn right <laughs> still a unicorn just looks like it's born out of hell you know so i sort of left animation because i was trying to kind of fit into something that i just wasn't and it was so creatively frustrating that it's just like i can't be doing this anymore and uh then with, that's why with comics it was like oh we'll just do whatever yeah. Just do whatever. It's comics, right? There isn't actually a rule to what they look like. There is standards and there are precedents, but there's not actually rules. And I think of all the industries uh, and genres, they're one of the ones that are most open to change and someone to yeah. do something different, you know? Like, yeah. So I, I love comics for that. And I'm really glad that, you know, it was accepted what I was doing. So I was drawing, barking, going, people are going to hate this. <laughs> they're just going to hate it. <laughs> and I'm sure some people do right but luckily enough people don't so yeah. that's good 
I was just thinking, kind of interesting you saying of like comics seem to be at least a medium where you can just kind of, you know, be awkward, be difficult mm. kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you obviously you're going to get people who are into one specific type of comic who'll be like, yes. no, you need, you need to do this, 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 and this. And like, but no, it's a, every so often you just go, oh, no, I'm just going to make something which I feel like you're going to hate. Yeah. In a, yeah. In a, like in the best way. <laughs> yeah. You're going to hate this. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize because <laughs> no. you don't have to buy it. You don't have to read it, but it, exactly. it is going to exist in the world, I'm afraid. Never apologize. No, no. Uh, no, I gave up apologizing. I think in my twenties, unless I bump into someone because I'm a Londoner, so I always oh, I say mean, sorry. That's just England. Like, it's just it it's is, what isn't we it? Do. Yeah, I've got lots of uh, New Zealand family, and um, they, New Zealand's a fairly polite country, but they mm. just don't do that stuff. It's just like you know, it well, is a very English thing. The one which gets me is when someone bumps into you and you apologize. Yes. Like, so yeah, like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah, it's wasn't my even classic. my fault. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that where I've walked, you know, bumped into a bin and said sorry, yeah. you know, on the street, and be like, oh, I don't right. apologise to bins, Lucy. <laughs> it's not like the bin's going to be all right, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting though because I think it's as you say, it's like it is a very English thing to be to be a bit apologetic about what mm. we do in every single part of our lives. So at times we struggle to be interrupting especially yes. you know, even with artwork and even with creative things if, when yeah. you think about it you think oh yeah I don't know if someone's going to like this I don't know if people are going to respond to this or am I mm. going to have to apologize for it before it even comes out because you know hedging yeah. your bets yeah absolutely I mean yeah. I'm definitely in that mode of thinking at the moment <laughs> like oh oh dear here it comes <laughs> yeah it's funny isn't it I, I think I have to learn to be less like that in some ways but then you know who wants to be that person that's just like here's my thing deal with it <laughs> i don't care what you think i don't think i could ever ever feel those bridges you know it's just not really my bag no i think it's it, it, well it kind of all links together in sense of kind of looking and getting more into zines and and kind of mm. z, z media there is a lot of that because like yeah. obviously founded like within punk values which was a lot of like fuck you i'm doing whatever the hell i want to do yeah yeah whereas you get asked who are so sensitive and so naturally inclusive just like yeah you know, well, you know i hope you like it and this kind of thing you have to put on a little bit of ego and step out and go no this this is this whereas i like to yeah. do a thing where i don't i don't announce that it's there i just I just put it out and put it on a table and go, yep, it's, it's there. Yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not apologizing for it, but I'm not forcing it on you. <laughs> yeah, in no way. Yeah, it becomes, especially with the bigger cons, you get the, like with Thought Bubble, there's a lot of kind of like people not wanting to catch eyes with you in case they had to come to your table and yeah. look at your books. <laughs> and you're like, you know, do I look away first because they've caught eyes, they look awkward. Yeah. Do I look away first so they don't have to? And I was just got to the point where I was just like, have a good day, enjoy yeah. yourself, Hi. don't worry about it. How are you? you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a mix between kind of hear me raw and, and you know, sit meekly. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I got a big roller banner for that. So I just thought, well, the roller banner's there. If they're interested, they can see the kind of work and they can come over. And if not, they can just keep walking, you know, so... Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Although I guess that's what social media is for. Is the like, I do a, a post and run, be like, "Hey, my book's out," and yeah. then just run off <laughs> the, the site for 
about two hours and then check in and go, does anyone care? <laughs> Uh, oh, that person cares, right? Shifter's oh, uh, questions. Yeah, you know, it's you know. I mean, I've deleted Twitter and Facebook apps recently, and forced yeah. myself to like only go on on the browser because yeah. I crowdfunded Barking, and um, that was basically like nearly two years of just constantly working it on social media, which led this horrible kind of addiction to the habit of. Yeah. social media and it's been really hard to kind of get out of my life and kind of step back a bit and be like I don't need to be working this 24 7 you know yeah. this is that addictive personality thing again gave up smoking I found Twitter <laughs> Twitter is the new smoking it's, it? yeah <laughs> it's, just, it's just bad for you so you know but I've got like god I'm probably about 80 percent of my work through twitter so it's not like i can't not do it and there are definite good sides to it but equally i just don't need to see the world raging at each other at eight in the morning it's just a bit much yeah it's it, i i think social media and, and twitter and whatnot i think is always interesting seeing it from other po- people's points of view um i mean mm. obviously being myself and being just a random man on the internet and being a random man on the streets i know that i have one view of the world yeah. And then obviously for women and other people who aren't white, I'm just like, it's interesting to see what you get, like just to see what you get back when you post things. Oh my God, I know, right? And then that side of it is just, it is a real kind of social experiment and you do yeah. see, and it's nice to be able to kind of back someone up when they've been completely destroyed for just having an opinion, you know? Yeah. And that equally it's awful that you you go into it knowing that it's like I know if I post this I'm opening myself up to those potential opinions and I got involved in a couple of kind of rows inadvertently and it was just like I got tagged into something that I wasn't even a part of and I woke up and someone had tagged me into this row and it was my daughter's birthday and it was like I'm driving to a bloody theme park with my kid whilst this row's erupting and it's just like wow and made me go oh I forgot you can mute accounts <laughs> so just mute 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 unfollow unfollow mute 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 you can just remove but, you from it yeah <laughs> you know and it was I definitely like I loved Twitter at the start because I just knew comics people and I kept it to that and I kept it small and then because there's crowdfunding it was lots of kind of follow back stuff and yeah it gets bigger now I, I barely see the people that I went on there to see because yeah. my accounts have got too high and I'm just going to have to like literally mute loads of people in order to see the people I want to see, you know, and it's just, it's really hard. You kind of like, I almost want to set up another account and go back to just having 12 followers and yeah. I only follow the people I want to hear. The sneaky shadow <laughs> account where you just like, yeah, it's me, yeah. but it's, don't, don't tell anybody it's me. So. Yeah. Not, not Lucy, definitely not Lucy. it's a shame though because there's some really good stuff to it but yeah i haven't got the headspace but i'm listening to an audio book by johan harry is an investigative journalist he did a really great book on um mental health on depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. called lost connections that i listened to and it was about sort of like the things you can do sort of went around the world finding places where they deal with it deal with mental health in ways that don't involve medications so it would just mm-hmm. be like you know community gardens and all sorts of because it basically comes down to the fact that there are certain aspects in your life that lead 
to you feeling like that as well. And these are the things you could, small changes you could make or things you could do to just sort of improve the quality of life. And maybe that will just be enough to kind of get you out of it. Really interesting book. Um, and now he's doing one called Lost Focus. Okay. And it's all a stolen focus, sorry. And it's all about how social media and and this, the speed of everything is sort of, and the phones, you know, being able to get a work email at Sunday midnight, you know, how that's sort of just destroying our focus and our ability to kind of maintain long-term interaction with something like a book or a you know, graphic novel in a solid kind of reading session and how it's so beneficial to you in terms of just mental health, but also for empathy mm-hmm. and all these things. So it's really interesting. And I was about I don't know, an hour into the book and I'd like deleting apps. <laughs> got onto the social media bit it's like bye bye facebook (laughs) which i I don't like facebook anyway but um it's a sort of necessary evil for many people you know that's how i keep up with all my family and friends in new zealand and australia and stuff so yeah it's um it's been very interesting and yeah and i'm reading comics so every time i feel like i go i'm checking on twitter i go and pick up a comic and read that instead it's been yeah much more beneficial switching to another addiction yeah <laughs> where you're now exactly singlets, but at least so it's, a, like, it's, a, it's a good one and i don't have to buy anymore because i've got like i've got around me about three reading piles i can yeah. see and even some on my bookshelf that i still haven't managed to read yet so it, it's there <laughs> it's ready but yeah it has to be one addiction to the next i think yeah I definitely think um, kind of like the online thing is when you mentioned there's just like the erosion of kind of empathy, which you, you see mm. online and seeing it's weird seeing that translate into kind of real life situations. I've, I've yes. Found. It's like, yeah, like, kind of like going to events and, and whatnot. And I think I had a chat at the start of the year with a couple of friends who work in hospitality um, and they were saying kind of coming out of lockdown, people were just ruder. There was like a yeah. weird, like a weird fatigue that people just kind of got so fed up that they would just now, yeah, now all airs are off. Yeah. And so used to, because everything went very online. And Mm. I think everyone got used to talking to each other in that manner. And it's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) God, I grew up in hospitality. I grew up in a pub and Mm. I worked bars up until I was in my late 20s. And I couldn't, I just felt, as an industry, it was like I just felt for them so much because it is like you're going to be dealing with people who are Mm -hmm. done and that is not, then they're going to get drunk and that's going to be really unpleasant, you know. And yeah, I wouldn't do it again for anything, you know. It's just, it could be, it's fun when you're younger, but it wears. (laughs) It it, it definitely wears you down. Yeah, kind of go through but yeah it's 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 kind of a strange one i think we're learning it more and more like it seems weird because social media has been around for what last decade 15 years as a thing but we're great we're only just kind of getting to a point of like there needs to be a segregation (laughs) between who you are online yeah what toolkit you use as yourself as well because like we were saying with the the whole idea of how you promote yourself and and how you you like the attitude you take when you put out your work Mm. And but when you defend yourself online as well, that's a completely different basket of yeah, absolutely. You, you can't be timid. You have to step in and be like, no, this is this is right. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. And then it can be, you know, I've had sleepless nights over that stuff, and it's yeah. just like, 
this is all happening in a virtual arena and I'm not sleeping about it in the real world. And that's yeah. just not okay, <laughs> you no. know, because I've got a kid, I've got a job, I've got mm-hmm. stuff to do and I can't be up all night worrying about these two people rowing that I've somehow been dragged into, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a very, it's something that we're, we're going to have to get our heads around. And also like, I think the key is not to be a conspiracy theorist, but who benefits from the fact that we're all shouting at each other and arguing yeah. and that stuff really bugs me. You yeah. know, I probably watched too many. Um, what's his name? Ugh. The documentary making does those amazing documentaries with um, archive footage and brings them all together. He did like Bitter Lake and the most recent one was about the kind of Trump era America. Can't believe I've forgotten his name. I might have to Google it. Because <laughs> he did a one that I looked at for barking, mm-hmm. which is uh, Power of Nightmares. And it was um, a very amazing kind of. So he does a sort of spider web of, you know, his sort of Trump and Ain't on Rand or whatever her name is in the States. Yeah. They're kind of high capitalism. Here's Mag- Margaret Thatcher in the yeah. UK. You know, here's yeah. this thing happening in China. And you're like, oh okay and he just sort of it's totally partisan it's just these mm-hmm. are the things happening and this is how it's affecting people on an, an everyday level and it's yeah. really extraordinary stuff and i'm going to find his name out now adam curtis, adam curtis. so recommend the adam curtis documentaries but his most recent one was really about that it's like you know whilst we're all busy mm-hmm. rowing <laughs> on the internet what's happening to democracy? And you're like, yeah. hmm, <laughs> interesting. You know, yeah. so there's a, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of things to it now that are starting to really bug me. And I, I, I'm not slagging it off because there's so many things about social media that I love, but yeah, yeah it's finally, like you said, we're going to have to really get to grips with what the balance is in that and, you know, how yeah. much you take from that into your personal life and how much you leave there and, and, you know, do you want to be that person? Because, like, mm. how does that not come back to haunt some of these people in their real life? I don't know. You know? It's, I think it's one of the strange things. I know I was reading recently about um, kind of like teens and the effects that it's not necessarily effect it's had on their mental health, but the effect it has mm. on their development as as people. And yeah. because it obviously it gives you it gives you a platform to be toxic. Yeah, it's unbalanced, but also it 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 changes how you put ideas out into the world. So when yeah. you when you have something which is a little or what could be seen as controversial, whether it's positive or negative, how you word it suddenly becomes differently. Mm. You kind of put it even if it's something positive and you kind of writing something, you know, for your, your gender or your race, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, this is my story," and this is kind of doing you in the back of your head. You're like, "Right, I know there's going to be at least ten, twenty percent of the people who see this might come for me." Yeah, and it shields you, and you go, all right. Well, I need to rethink that. And then when you get kids with it who are really thinking of their self worth as their online profile because it's so personal to them. Yeah, older people uh, who've gone home and gone, no, it's just a tool. We 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 have it as a tool. They've had it from like age six. Yeah, yeah. It, that sort of it worries me a lot because my daughter and mm-hmm. you know I think the tricky part they've got is that they follow their classmates and stuff, right? And then. Yeah celebrity accounts and there's two very 
disparate worlds, you know, and they're really mm. kind of echoing people who are pretending to be something in order to sell stuff or get more notoriety or whatever. And they're echoing that at, like, at 11, 12-year-old level. Yeah. It's just mind-boggling. And then also that, you know, I'd sort of had a few issues at school. <laughs> I was quite a sort of mouthy person. Mm. Um, you know, I absolute bejesus kicked out of me once by like three girls like mm. 20 people in a circle watching yeah and you know i was beaten up really badly i got kind of rescued by a local greengrocer before i was about to get stabbed it was like really bad yeah but then it ended and it was over and the people that i was friends with who were involved came to my house to say you know sorry you've got to leave the group mm. And that was it. You know, we yeah. just parted ways. Whereas now, that would forever now be all these accounts harassing me online and yeah. that would just bleed into my life constantly. And I just think there's no there's no switch-offs, you know? No. It's like, and even as I'm in my 40s and I'm struggling to find the way to cope and switch off from these things, like how you do that as a kid is yeah. beyond me. It's, I mean, I must say they do talk about it at school. So like my daughter's all right. okay. seven and yeah. part of her computing is like online safety. So they'll you know, watch videos and talk about how people pretend to be other people. And, you know, so yeah. I think the schools do take it kind of seriously. But, you know, most of the teachers are in their 20s. So they're living their lives online as well. And Yeah, yeah it's a really complicated <laughs> age and it's you know there is a part of me it's like i'm just gonna take my family to new zealand and go live in yeah. some remote bloody place and <laughs> no phones just go and hide in a shack somewhere you know yeah. but you can't you know it's the world we're in and it's just about kind of being canny about it and like you said being aware of you could become something online that you're not yeah. in real life and how does that sit yeah i think it's very much a balance of if you the concern I've always had is because I've, I wouldn't say I'm trolley. I think as an artist, you have a, a habit of poking the audience anyway. Mm. You kind of go, all right, I'm going to do something, like we said earlier, like, and you're going to hate it. Mm. And when you get online, you kind of sit there and go, okay, well, part of that is there. But if that's all I'm doing online, that's all people will think of me as. And I need to balance that with a certain level of, is my actual personality is you know yeah yeah drinking coffee or, or, or whatever you want to do um and yeah th- th- i think you also you almost see people adapt the persona they are online they are online yeah um, i don't i don't and know if that's bad or good in some ways <laughs> it's it's hard isn't it i'm sort of when i was first on twitter i kind of got into the politics side of it quite mm. early on and then i did have to step away because it was just like i said it's bleeding into my real life yeah. and it's like i don't want to not have opinions but it just doesn't feel like a safe space to have any kind of discussion anymore yeah. it's very like you think this or you think that and if you think that you're a monster and if you think that you're a monster and you know, well, everyone's a monster you know and I think I'm still sort of when there's kind of big movements like the Black Lives Matter and stuff which is brilliant you know for that I think it's great that there can be a, a wider forum and you can bring people into the issue and get them to understand a lot more about it. Same with um, like some of the violence against women that's been going on. You know, I'm sort of trying to just get involved in the things that I feel like d- deserve 
you to stand and say like well this is you know this is very much where my plagues plagues planted kind of thing but equally you know I'd really rather like be sat around a table having that discussion (laughs) having a chat over a coffee or a beer or something and you know like my friends I went out with the other night one of them is it not pro but kind of keeping an eye on cryptocurrency and then the other of us were like no I'm just not into it and we had quite a heated discussion but it was a discussion and it wasn't you know we're still friends it didn't affect us from being friends and I think if that was done on Twitter we'd suddenly like be unfollowing each other and and we could just she was just like yeah it's not working but you know potentially and I'm just keeping an eye on it and you're like fine you know this is why I think it's not the future but you know you're allowed to do that and and she brought in some really interesting stuff about how it happens like in certain parts of the world where you can't get paid through the banks because they're controlled by the government but you can get paid through cryptocurrency and you're like you know I get the kind of idea that it's sort of breaking the system but it's breaking the system in a way that I can't handle right so yeah it was nice to be able to have a really kind of heated exchange because so kick I don't know if you know about the kickstarter thing where they've announced I saw something along it I hadn't delved yeah because I hadn't used it so they're moving to blockchain technology um and I had, everyone that sort of relies on Kickstarter had to do like a sudden deep dive into what the hell blockchain means. Right, and yeah. for me, I came up from that going, it's not for me. Right. You know, it's just power usage. There's a point where they, if they are built from the ground up in mm-hmm. an environmentally friendly way, it's fine. But currently like the one that Kickstarter is using Celo is it's an, it's offsetting its carbon. So basically right, yeah. it's doing nothing. It's just so, yeah. putting the problem onto someone else's shoulders um so for me that's it i can't use kickstarter now i won't support it and i'm not going to be able to support friends who Mm. use it because it's like for me it has to be a blanket thing unless they're going to change their mind it has to be like they've made that announcement so i've supported my last comic on there and i'm done but i was going to launch my next comic on that so now i'm like right that really affects me and i've got plans for barking and that's linked into that and it's like oh i'm gonna have to have a really awkward discussion with people about this at some stage and so I'm really kind of like got the hump. So it was very personal to me when someone's like, oh, cryptocurrency and blockchain. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a kid, you know, yeah, climate yeah. crisis yeah. Just terrifies me. And I'm really worried about it. I've sold my car, sort of yeah. moving to more vegetarian eating. And my daughter is a huge meat eater. So it's a big challenge. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, terrified so the idea of a big company like them moving to something that's hugely power hungry is yeah. is scary so i'm out but it was so nice to be able to have that conversation and to feel so personal about it and she felt mm-hmm. so personal about it and we were both quite heated and, and at points it was like you think i'm saying this and it's like no but you've been on twitter and you think that's what other people on this side of the fence think about yeah. it and it's not that it's you know just but you're aware that you're having a kind of real life discussion, but you're always negotiating it around the terms of a Twitter row. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're here in person and we're yeah. friends. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to disbar you from my life from having yeah. an opinion that differs from mine. I can handle that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was really, it was really interesting to see how much that does bleed into your life and how you can communicate and how polarized we are on everything you know so 
it's uh yeah challenging it's definitely one of those things of it it's removed nuance from a lot of conversation and i think that's why kind of like i set the podcast up in the way that i do is is i like an hour to chat around kind of yeah the topic whatever in, yeah yeah whether we agree or not it doesn't really matter because we're gonna have an actual discussion about it and, and like you said exactly I mean, you you're saying you like it got quite heated and i, re- I remember when I think it was the Justice League film came out, Ooh. and uh, there's a scene in that where Batman punches Harley in the face. And I remember someone had put something on Facebook, which was along the lines of um, "You should never hit a woman." And this was this was advocating violence against women because it was in this film and all this. And you like looked at the comments and you're like, "This is it's brutal." Like mm. the conversation that's happening in this comic, and I like you two are good friends. Mm. And the likelihood is what you're actually saying is you agree with each other in the balance of because one was saying you know oh you have to defend yourself and there's criminal and violence and you, you have to have some level of autonomy of situation and context and the other one was like no no there's never any reason but it was all very black and white yeah like, yeah if you'd had the same conversation in person it wouldn't yeah. have got to this level not of that way yeah and yeah i haven't seen that film I, I've got to say that makes me less inclined to see it. <laughs> it's it's a weird scene. I mean, I'm not I'm not a fan of the film anyway. Um, but it's a weird scene yeah. in the sense of they they've crashed a car and Joker and Harley Quinn are, are trying to escape Batman and she like goes to stab him or something and he punches her in the face. So it, it's a fight between yeah. two people and you're like, yeah, but there is a lot of lot of outside things which could happen here and because obviously you start to just think well what could he have done in this situation in the- yeah. Like, yeah i mean i i own one batman comic and that's right. arkham asylum because of dave mckean and i was given it <laughs> oh. really. um and i've seen i saw the uh, nolan films and i thought they were pretty good mm-hmm. and we watched joker actually over christmas because it took me ages that. to get to it mm. yeah it's 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 interesting and it's not a superhero film (laughs) in any way (laughs) shape or form but it's a really interesting study in sort of how society and can be brutal and how you know we create our own monsters essentially you know and I think it's a really interesting film that probably has absolutely nothing to do with Batman (laughs) but I don't really give a monkeys because I'm not a super fan of that anyway the idea of some rich bloke going around being the answer to everyone's problems in his souped up cars is just like, no, I'm all right. Thanks. (laughs) I prefer the baddies to be honest. So, um, yeah, but I mean, that's the kind of, it's the level of fandom that I'm trying to just not engage with. And it was the thing when Jeff asked me to do that, it's like, Oh, you're putting me in that world. And do I want to be in that world? I don't know if I want to be in that world. Um, because I've seen lots of kind of creators of color and mm-hmm. women and non-binary and trans creators that had just horrific abuse yeah. online for just being asked to do the job, right? Just being there. Done yeah. nothing other yeah. than they got hired. And yeah. these people are jealous of the fact that they got hired and don't think they should be able to do that. And it's just like, oh God, I really don't need those people on my case when yeah you know, I was invited to do a thing, you know, I think it's, but I you, say, you can't let them stop you. Can you? So. No. Well, that, that I was going to say is like, that's what can, kind of concerns me, I guess, in, in a way is like, obviously, like you're saying, like when you, when you get offered something quite high profile and it's in an mm. environment, which you would usually avoid of you like, okay, well, do I want to do it? Because 
you know being a woman you you know you're going to open yourself up to to criticism and especially mm. being a vocal or kind of as we mentioned in the email was like the idea of a difficult woman yeah see like, it's, it's like the number one part of my storytelling yeah. is difficult women yeah which and is it, not their bag it makes you second guess yourself whereas usually yeah. you just be like no i'm just gonna put this out you're gonna hate it yeah. but i'm gonna put this out <laughs> yeah and it's not like you know i'm lucky with jeff who's very clear that he doesn't support that thinking and you know he's even like substack's got this kind of really dodgy kind of partisan line it treads with where we allow everyone on here and they've been accused of giving money to some really dodgy people and some they haven't and some they have and it's but they give money to both sides of the argument so they're really you know poking the hornet's nest stuff you know um but jeff you know he knew that and so he gave a portion of the money he got to a trans charity because there's like some really dodgy stuff about trans mm-hmm. stuff on there. And he was already planning to have Lila Sturgis on, who's a trans woman, um, as one of the creators. Plus, you know, uh, I think I think I don't know this creator, but um, from my understanding, they're uh, Indigenous Canadian creator as well. So you know, just proper right on, you know. Yeah, yeah decent human and i've seen him on twitter when a point needs to be made to say i don't support these people or their opinions so i know he'd have my back and i know he doesn't counter it either he's just like just ignore it don't worry about it you know you know it's just and it's true you sort of give these people worth and then they have it but if you decide that it doesn't actually matter and they can go sit at home spitting bile at their own screens then you've just got to kind of live with that i suppose and yeah. try to ignore it but yeah hence the deleting of apps <laughs> not only was it distracting <laughs> me from my work but it was also like I'm just gonna get used to this before there's any engagement i mean i don't feel like i've done anything particularly outrageous with this script but you know it's very much on the difficult women line yeah. and that's going to be yeah, I just, there's no male characters, like not not yeah. a one. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm kind of curious in that sense of we because obviously you kind of thinking it in terms of how people react to it. Does, mm. does does part of you kind of sit there and go, maybe I should make this more volatile than I usually do? <laughs> like, yeah, no. I, funny enough, I'm lucky that at least because I hadn't written for a while and I did mm. barking. I, could, I mean, I had to like send Jeff a kind of caveat email of like I don't write comic scripts like oh, yeah. comic scripts I don't do panel one yeah. you know I write film scripts essentially so I do action and dialogue mm-hmm. and then I start breaking that down into page spreads so I know that this thing's happening and I make sure that I've got an idea of how many um it, drawings that, well actually I'll start thumbnailing it then mm-hmm. and start changing it to make sure that it can work and I can physically draw that many things on a page and stuff um but I was lucky that this idea just, it just sort of formed. It just came out really smoothly. And I had this with Shelter, my other comic as well. And they just, I don't know, they must have been sitting there somewhere. Yeah. And they just kind of went, and I was oh. like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I sort of moulded it. And it wasn't until it's finished I went, ah, <laughs> there are some people that are going to hate this. <laughs> And it's not even like this is building it up like it's going to be this really outrageous thing. It's not. It's just I've sort of fitted 
another universe into a universe right. that I want it to be in. And I've just done that. You know, I've sort of taken a thing and put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that alone can be enough to, oh. to wind people up, you yeah. know. But, you know, I looked over a load of, I read Black Hammer, but I haven't read all of it. Mm-hmm. And I started looking, I got the Black Hammer Visions book and started looking through that. And that's where um, they've just, uh, Jeff and Dean have just invited people to do their own versions of the characters. And it's on those lines. So it was just like, they're, and they're pretty wild. There's a beautiful yeah. kind of Barbarian one where he's it's all watercolour and it's done like a film noir and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's in the rules. Then, yeah. you know, if they can go film noir with Barbarian, then I can do what I'm going to do. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. But I think I've got... A, my partner is an animator and he mm-hmm. teaches animation and he writes film scripts and he's very good we you know we talk a lot about our work and we talk a lot about we watch films together and whatnot and read books and um he was always the one that's really good at saying you know you never ever create for your audience ever you know because you can never pre-guess it you can you're never going to get that right for one thing because you don't actually ever know who your audience is no yeah you know when i made barking because it's like a sort of semi-autobiographical and it's about mental health, I thought my audience would be primarily uh, women, mm-hmm. primarily probably people who had mental health problems. And it turns out I have like a really high male readership, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, I find that really I, it took me completely by surprise. I wasn't expecting it to appeal to so yeah. many male comics readers. You know, I did, just didn't think it was going to be their bag at all. But it has been, you know, and it's really like, okay, so, you know, I made this thing with an idea of my audience and they're absolutely not the people I thought they would be, you know, and that's amazing. And it's so great, but I made the book I wanted to make no matter what. So in the end of the day, then it it finds, it found the audience for it, you know, rather than me going, hey, this is for you people, (laughs) you in the back, I'm making this for you, you know. It's just, yeah, these are the stories I've got to tell. And I think yeah. Even my fantasy ones are kind of still based on kind of personal experience or something mm-hmm. about something. I think I, I can only write with something that has a level of lived experience to it. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to appeal to certain people and it's not to others. And I'd be surprised if the people I'm worried about even yeah. look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I find that interesting kind of saying that you obviously you have quite a high male audience because we're, we're, when I was when you mentioned of discussing kind of like around the idea of difficult women and, and topic it reminded me of so one of the main artists I studied when I went through kind of college was Paula Rago and mm. her, her Spanish paintings of, of dog women and we had two female art teachers and the class was 80% female and they basically we're like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna study Polly Rego because it's going to appeal to most of the class. And most of the class weren't fussed about it. And yeah. me and the one of the guy were like, these are fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, this is this is speaking to me a lot. It's like, you guys don't get this. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I had someone say to me recently, uh, an editor, that they thought it was because I drew in a male way, which I found very interesting. And mm. um, I'd never I don't consider any of that, you know, when I'm drawing yeah. it, but it was interesting to have because I always get consp- compared to male artists. I've, ne- I've right. never been compared to a female artist. And then I go, well, I, yeah, I guess I don't know. 
uh, any female artists I think I draw like either. Yeah. So that makes sense. But yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how that stuff ends up getting so gendered, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> it does. I remember you someone know? walked into my house once and said, it's like, you you have a very male home. You, you're interested in very male things because I'd, I'd taken some photographs of um, some car parks, which were empty. And I was like, they're just great liminal spaces. I really yeah, like, no, that's, yeah. a, that's a really male thing. And I'm like, oh, no, how do- <laughs> definitely <laughs> isn't. I do stuff like that all the time, you know, and, and it's that, it's the liminal, isn't it? It's that idea that you, you're sort of at a boundary somewhere, you know, yeah. and it's, especially if it's in the ordinary, you yeah. know, it's, I like that kind of ordinary meets extraordinary. It's, yeah. I would have a photo of car parks on my wall. Okay. We've got many things like that. You yes. know, my partner's forever taking crazy pictures of like textures and drain pipes <laughs> stuff and i do that stuff too so. it's, it's more of a mentality i think and uh, yeah you know, again maybe it comes back to that kind of whole black and white thing which we were saying about online mm. people want a black and white they want to want it because it's easier to understand maybe and yeah and they just... can compartmentalize it a bit more yeah, yeah that could be it isn't it i like the nuance though i like ambiguous yeah. endings and oh, yeah, yeah you know i don't want cut and dry stuff where someone just goes this is how it works and yeah. that's it like but what if it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) what if i pull this plug out does it still work (laughs) yeah again it's i I think it's it is is that it's that artist thing and and you know it's it's that mentality of like as you say it's a difficult woman to just be like yeah "Hmm, what if (laughs) yeah yeah exactly well i think for me as well it's like in that context Mm. it's the it's a gender thing in a way because i think the idea of kind of like unreliable or unlikely heroes and stuff and what are they called unlikable heroes and unreliable narrators and stuff they're always male characters yeah you know they're always like the the dodgy crim but you kind of like him anyway they're very but we're just hitting a point where there are female characters like that or there are non-binary or there are gay characters like that and i think it's starting to get kind of interesting that you can shift and go well how do you how do you represent it? Like I'd say like Fleabag represents a difficult woman. You know, yeah. she's very funny and amusing, but she's doing some pretty shitty things, you know, and she did a shitty thing. If you yeah. haven't seen the whole thing, you know, and it's perfect. There's this perfect example of that, you know, and the same actually, you know, I may destroy you, you know, Michaela Cole's character is the same thing. She's had a terrible thing happen to her, but she's, difficult in the way that she deals with it and she approaches people and she does stuff where you're like why are you doing that thing and yeah and I think it's a really kind of fascinating line to tread because I think women are more uh expected to be kinder and softer yeah you know and it's a bigger thing when we screw up whereas of all every woman I know is, is a screw up on some level and has done and you're like how have we been painted yeah. in this way where it's like it's totally against our character to do that you know and with barking when I had a breakdown people think about depression as being I'm, lock, I'm gonna lock myself in my room and go mm-hmm. under my covers and I can't yeah. deal with the outside world whereas I was like no I'm gonna get really drunk I'm gonna pick a fight with that massive guy over there because that's what you do right yeah you know, mine was like full anger mode and it was terrifying and made it really difficult for people to help me because yeah. I was prickly as hell and yeah. I, I definitely didn't come across like I wanted help. 
Yeah. You know, and I, you know, in that I became this kind of difficult woman who really needed help, but really couldn't get it because everyone was just like, oh, Lucy yeah. is intense. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it's, I like to put that in. I want to explore that more because, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm that person anymore. I'm still not someone to be easily trifled with. I grew up in a pub. I'm still <laughs> capable of yeah. having a, a bit of a discussion but yeah. I know how to like let that be a discussion now and move yeah. on like we said but equally like how age affects that and you know I was much skinnier when people found me quite troublesome how once I put on weight mm-hmm. I'm less threatening somehow and there's all these kind of really interesting yeah aspects and I love seeing kind of depictions of it in cinema and in it's not fully in comics yet and I think I'm hoping no. to address that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like you've just given me a thought there of, of why kind of we respond to characters like like you're saying with the whole idea of kind of like the bad boy and the anti-hero has been mm. very very male. It's it's always been yeah. very male, and it's always annoyed me because I'm always watching things and thinking. And someone will say to me, you know, oh, this is a very male trait. I'm like, well, no, I know I know a lot of women who are like this. Like, yeah. this, this is a person type. And I, yeah, I know exactly. a lot of people person. like that. Exactly. And it's because those characters are so much more rounded as people. Yeah. And when I, 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 so I did a Google before I came on of, of the title Difficult Women and there was two books on it. And I was like, okay, what are these books? And one of them was very um, along the lines of heroines and people who've struggled and, and gone through this. And a lot of the reviews are along the lines of, of the idea of kind of feminism moving on from hero worship. And yeah, I thought, yeah, that's a it's a very male thing of we went through as well. Like you get heroes and then you get mm-hmm. anti-heroes, and obviously the mm-hmm. anti-heroes came as a contrast to Superman and and all these archetypes. Yeah, and like it's almost like women are going through it again to yeah to get back to it. And I mean, like, I well, think this time we did it to ourselves, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's the it's, it's, yeah. on it's just it's just a strange, fascinating thing. I'm like, yeah, it, it yeah. Is, we we respond more to it because yeah, we're like, yeah, people are human. Yeah, and how? But how do you get them? Because like, like Harley Quinn's like that, right? I guess as a character, I'm not big on that. But what annoys me is like the more difficult the female character, the less clothes they wear. Yeah, that's weird. You know, and bigger their boobs get. You're just like, "Hmm." what if she has tiny boobs and a belly? The more difficult a man is, the more clothes he wears because they tend to give him layers. (laughs) Yeah, he's physically layered, mentally layered. He's a deep guy. He's going to wear a hat. He's shadow. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a really kind of like interesting. I I think there's a lot to kind of explore on that. And I think this is where I feel like there will be a kind of level of it's just going to piss people off. Like I have a point blank refusal to draw large boobs on anything. I'm just not doing it unless we're talking like someone proper voluptuous who should have them or they've had a baby or something. But I'm not, you know, in that world of that stuff because it's, you know, as someone who has them, (laughs) they don't work that way. (laughs) It's just not a, it's not possible i've literally yeah. put comics down to go no i'm sorry i did the boobs are the problem here they're just that's just not physically just possible work, yeah. that person would just t- it's, tip it's over when, the you see people and they're like they're super thin you're like you don't have insides you don't, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand. are you carrying them in a bra yes. is that where you put them <laughs> like, yeah it's very awkward isn't it but um yeah i want to sort of yeah go into that a little bit and how you can change the perception of things i guess in some ways but 
equally, I've just got to figure out how to draw the bloody thing first. <laughs> I'm still in that. The starting point of all things. <laughs> oh, I mean, I did a year of drawing other people's work and there were times when you're reading it going, wow, that's what I'm drawing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, okay. I mean, it's stuff that I just, I would never have written for myself. I would have written around it so they didn't have to draw it. So like for, yeah. I did a story with Dan Waters for razor blades and it's like Sweeney Todd. And the opening shot is a aerial view of a London bustling Victorian London on the right. strand, you know, yeah. and you're like, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for like online photography archives and stuff yeah. so i could actually get some reference because you, know, you can't spill victorian yeah. london out of your head you need reference for that and then when i did index with fraser which is like a sci-fi you know most of it's like one that's set in a house with a girl running down the stairs at the start yeah. but you're like mm, stairs okay running mm, okay and then uh, it was okay it's all outdoors and then it gets to a scene in a kind of underground warehouse with lots of people and then you're like Mm. <laughs> how do i draw this <laughs> and yeah. there were guns and it's like oh. i don't know guns how do i do <laughs> what do i do with guns how do i feel about guns what's yeah. the moral yeah. i figured i'd just go around it and draw the lights from the gun the, 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 yeah. the firing yeah. rather than the uh actual gun because it's like oh i'm not a i was gonna say i'm not a technical drawer but i sort of am and i'm not in the same way like i learned at my on my degree we did observational drawing so you go out on location and you've got to draw everything you see the people the cars the buildings wherever you are and we went to spain and did it and new york and you know around in around london and stuff and it was an amazing thing to do and it really stuck with me as a practice and i do it like for barking all of the um environmental kind of shots when i want to do a big kind of like scene setting shot I went into London and I drew on site. So it really, really works for me. So working from reference really works for me. But when you're getting into the bounds of things where you're like, I have no reference for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't go out and take a picture of a warehouse full of people. You know, it's like, it gets very, very complicated. But then I'm, the current script, I did find that actually, those times when you're like, God, you know, Fraser, damn, how the hell am I? How am I going to draw this? Not to mention Jordan, like when I see him again, because <laughs> that's a script. Uh, yeah. I, I did this time have to have that conversation with myself. It's like, I can't believe you wrote this for yourself to draw. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Are you, are you mad? Yeah. <laughs> how are you going like, to draw it that? It seems such a good idea at the time. I know. And this is like, <laughs> this is how this happens. The writer writes it and goes, this is going to be great. It's like, it will yeah. be if you can figure out how to draw that (laughs) i have just myself to blame in this regard so you know many harsh words were had in the mirror with (laughs) being difficult for yourself now (laughs) you are a difficult woman lucy (laughs) why would you do this to you (laughs) yes why would you punish yourself like this (laughs) yeah yeah it's become a very um philosophical learning curve I mean, I, th- I think nothing teaches you more about yourself than, than trying to put something together like a comic. Oh, making you... comics, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd say animation was kind of close to that. But yeah. I think comics might be worse in some way. Like more, more not worse, but more of a trial. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, yeah. I wouldn't go back to animating at this point either. So. <laughs>
No, I think I think that's a good point to round this. Up. I think mm. we, we've covered. You know, not we've had a good. We've covered a no. lot of ground today. In a good letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think uh, people should check out your work. Um, Thank you, and yours actually. So there you go. Mine's my, just, just there. It's, You're just going to put it on the table. It's, that's what I not do. say anything. I'm, I'm <laughs> the worst person for advertising my own work. <laughs> as much as you get the vocal people online, I'm very much just like, nah. It's just it's, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. No, it's been lovely to catch up with you and pick your brains about a few things. Yeah, ditto. And hopefully I'll get to see you in the real at some point, at something. Hopefully, so, potentially, yeah. if I've not yeah. relocated or moved by that point. <laughs> yeah, do you know? <laughs> the world has, has become chaos, so now I just like, hey, next week I don't I know. know where There I are am, no but... plans. I know, yeah. right? There's just plans are out the window. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but no, it's been lovely to catch up with you. Um, we'll, yeah, thanks, Graham. We'll talk to these guys later.